The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Although you might not know this, age-related disease and health decline can start in our 60s, our 50s, our 40s, even our 30s. What you don't know can harm you. But with the right knowledge about your health and your body, these age-related issues can be prevented or even reversed. You'll get that knowledge today on Healthy Aging with Dr. Denise Bogard. Dr. Bogard and her guests will answer your questions about your health. We want you to age gracefully. Now, here is Dr. Denise Bogard. Good morning. Today, we're going to talk about how exercise can increase longevity and promote healthy aging. We have a very special guest today. My husband, Paul, will be joining us to discuss how we have implemented exercise into his longevity and healthy aging plan. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Doctor. First, let me tell you a little bit about Paul. Paul is 58 years old. He's 5 foot 10. He weighs about 165 pounds. His total cholesterol is 185. His LDL is 79 to 80. His HDL is 70, and his uh, triglycerides are in the 60s usually. His LDL particle number is right around 1,000, and he has big buoyant LDL and healthy HDL. His homocysteine is 8, and his hemoglobin A1C is 5.2. That's excellent, Paul. Thank you, doctor. It certainly helps to be married to an anti-aging and regenerative medicine doctor. In today's talk, we're going to discuss how regular exercise, since Paul turned 40, has contributed to him becoming what we call a healthy ager. Paul, please tell us a little bit about yourself and your exercise background. I'd be delighted, be delighted to. I participated in athletics in high school and a little bit in college. But after college, I went to law school and then I became a big city lawyer. That's when I stopped being as active as I was before. The stress and time demands of being a lawyer meant that I rarely exercised regularly. By the time I turned 40, I was typically overweight for a middle-aged man and was becoming, <clears throat> beginning to become very concerned with my health doctor. Let's see what kind of student you have been. Paul, please tell us about the typical aging process in middle-aged men and your experience. I'll do my best. Well, the changes of ages, aging start as early as the third decade of life. After age 30, for example, the average man's maximal attainable heart rate declines about one beat per minute per year 
and his heart rate's peak capacity to pump blood drops down by 5% to 10% per decade. That's why a healthy 30-year-old heart can pump two and a half quarts of oxygen in a minute, but a 65-year-old heart can't get above one and a half quarts. And an 80-year-old and an heart can pump only about a quart, even if it's disease-free. So, like most middle-aged men, this diminished aerobic capacity produced fatigue and breathlessness, even with, my, with modest daily activities. Also starting in middle age, blood vessels begin to stiffen, and blood vessel pressure often creeps up as well. Blood itself changes, becoming more viscous, that is, being thicker and stickier and harder to pump through the body. So, like most Americans, I began to gain weight in middle life, putting on three to four pounds a year. But since men start to lose muscle in their 30s and 40s, that extra weight was all fat. This extra fat contributed to a rise in my LDL, that is bad cholesterol, and a fall in my HDL, the good cholesterol. That explains why my blood sugar levels had risen by as much as six points per decade, making me concerned about type two diabetes, which is distressingly common among middle-aged American men. What about your muscle mass, Paul? Was that affected as you age? Yes, it was. The loss of muscle contributes and continues in middle age and later, eventually reducing a man's musculature by up to 50%, which contributes to weakness and disability. At the same time, my muscles and ligaments got stiff and tight. Although men have a lower risk of osteoporosis than women, I was told that I was beginning to lose bone calcium as I aged, increasing the risk of fractures. One reason for the drop in muscle mass and bone density is a drop in the male hormone testosterone, which declines by about 1% per year after the age 40. This also produces a gradual decline of libido and sexual vigor, and I was experiencing all of these symptoms. That's right, Paul. And that's not all. The nervous system also changes as we age. Reflexes are slower, coordination suffers, and memory lapses often crop up at embarrassing times. The average person gets less sleep in maturity than in youth. I've heard you mention, doctor, that medical research shows that many of these changes attributed to aging are actually caused in large part by disuse and can sl be slowed down or even improved by certain types of regular exercise. Is this true? That's right. As far back as 1966, a research study at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical School demonstrated the benefits of regular exercise and health. Healthy 20-year-old college students were asked to spend three weeks of their summer vacation resting in bed. Researchers tested the men 
and then put them in on an intense eight-week exercise program and tested them again. Exercise did more than reverse the deterioration brought on by bed rest, since some measurements were better than ever after the training. Then, the original subjects all agreed to be evaluated again at the age of 50. All remained healthy and none had required long-term medication. Even so, the 30-year interval had not been kind. Over the years, the men gained an average of 50 pounds, or 25% of their weight at age 20. Their average body fat doubled from 14 to 28%. In addition, their cardiac function suffered with a rise in resting heart rate and blood pressure and a fall in maximum pumping capacity. At 50, the men were far below their 20-year-old best. Next, the 50-year-old volunteers were asked to begin a gradual six-month exercise program which included a regimen of walking, jogging, and cycling instead of the eight-week crash course that was instituted when they were 20 years old. At the end of six weeks, the men averaged only a modest 10-pound weight loss of their excess weight. However, their resting heart rates, blood pressure, and their heart's maximum pumping abilities were back to their baseline from age 20. Slow exercise training reversed 100% of the 30-year decline in aerobic power. And we've learned so much more since the Dallas study. That's right, doctor. I've often heard you talk about the more recent research on the anti-aging effects of my physical exercise. Can you tell our listeners more about that, please? Yes. Other research has filled the gaps since the Dallas study. This research shows that a balanced exercise program is the best way to improve cardiac function. It helps keep the heart muscles subtle the arteries flexible, it lowers the resting heart rate, it boosts the heart's peak capacity to deliver oxygen-rich blood to the body's tissue. Research shows that a balanced exercise program reduces the type of body fat, the bad type of body fat. It senses sensitizes the body's tissue to insulin, and it lowers the blood sugar levels. Exercise boosts HDL cholesterol, and it lowers the bad LDL cholesterol and triglycerides. It boosts mood, and it improves sleep, countering anxiety and depression. Exercise improves reflex time, and helps forestall 
age-related memory loss. The medical consensus is a regular exercise program will help delay many of the changes of aging, particularly when it's combined with other preventative measures. This list includes hypertension, diabetes, osteoporosis, inflammation, cognitive function, Alzheimer's disease, and even colon cancer. Scientists, scientists have, have evaluated men in Hawaii, Seventh-day Adventists in California, male and female residents of Framingham, Massachusetts, elderly American women, British joggers, middle-aged Englishmen, retired Dutchmen, and residents of Copenhagen, among others. There are many studies out there. One study suggests that people who regularly exercise can gain about two hours of life expectancy for each hour of exercise. Over the course of a lifetime, that adds up to about two extra years. Doctor, that's remarkable. Can you tell me about the research <clears throat> that says changes in muscle mass as I experienced as I grew older and how that affects can be affected by exercise? It could be the biggest killer you've never heard of, the weakening and loss of muscle mass that happens as we get older. Muscle loss is no longer seen as just a side effect of disease and frailty. It's also a prime cause. As well as contributing to falls, muscle loss has serious effects on metabolism. Researchers stress that this isn't about bodybuilding, it's about keeping your muscles and limbs at a healthy level. Muscle loss, also known as sarcopenia, is an important facet of aging. Research suggests that the mechanisms behind muscle aging involves damage from free radicals. The fewer free radicals in mitochondria have been shown to increase life expectancy about 20%. The key player is calcium, the release of which triggers our muscles to contract. The molecule responsible for this release, riondidine receptor 1, is damaged by free radicals as we age. Calcium begins to leak out when it shouldn't, weakening muscle fibers. Regular exercise has been shown to produce less free radical damage to the rionidine receptor. This points out that the role that mitochondria plays in the muscle aging process. What's more, 
Muscles are the primary place that the body can store amino acids, the building blocks of proteins. So that when someone with little muscle mass becomes ill, they have very little reserves to call upon. Also, healthy muscle tissue is a major consumer of glucose. So lack of muscle means the body can't cope well with a surge of blood glucose after meals, which slowly nudges the person down the road to diabetes. People think of muscle as the body's mover, but in fact, it's a very large metabolic organ. Muscle actually burns nine kilocalories per minute as opposed to fat burning three kilocalories. So there's a huge disparity in muscle and fat from a metabolic state. I heard you mention, Doctor, free radicals and mitochondria. I think I remember from my high school biology class that mitochondria are the powerhouses of the cell and that they combine oxygen and other nutrients to create cellular energy. I believe I also remember something about how exercise can affect damaged mitochondria. Has the research shown something about exercise and mitochondria? Yes. Researchers altered mitochondria in lab mice. When we come back from our break, I'll tell us about a study that they actually looked at mice and altered their mitochondria. Um, I always tell people that mitochondria is essentially the powerhouse of the cell. And so if you haven't fed your mitochondria right, and uh, kept those healthy, then certainly every cell in the body is not going to work properly. Your kidneys, your heart, your brain, your thyroid, your adrenals, everything is not going to work properly. And um, again, I've talked in the past about nutrients to feed your mitochondria. When we get back, we'll talk a little bit more about a research when we've altered the mitochondria. Thank you. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with hosts Nancy Kerala and Dr. Chandra Bali Ghosh. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and the founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. And Dr. Ghosh is the chairperson of research and development for the C. diff Foundation. Together with their guests, we'll explore infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? 
Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Healthy Aging with Dr. Denise Bogard. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to bogardhealth at gmail.com. And now, back to Healthy Aging. Good morning. This morning we're talking about exercise and healthy aging. Earlier, when we, before we took the break, I was talking about mitochondria, and every cell has a mitochondria. What it is, it's the powerhouse, the energy of the cell, and there are some cofactors that are very important in the running of uh, the cell, especially things like CoQ10 and NAD. Um, so we were talking about it in the acceleration of aging. Researchers altered mitochondria in lab mice with a genetic mutation that affected the ability to repair their damaged mitochondria. When the mitochondria fail, every cell in the body can be affected. This can roll, result in a number of disorders, including chronic fatigue, neurological disruption, problems in eyesight, hearing, hair loss, muscle weakness. Sound familiar? This usually is what we see with getting old. To continue, the mice in this study that were allowed to live normally without exercising only lived about eight months. While another group of mice that were exercised on an exercise wheel for 45 minutes three times a week for five months had a radically different result. Beginning around the time the genetic mutation began developing, the exercise mice looked and functioned quite youthfully with healthier hearts, darker full hair, greater brain volume, increased muscle mass, and well-functioning sexual organs. At the same time, the other group of mice had exactly the opposite, and they were frail and close to death. Other research is necessary, but this experiment demonstrates that to an extent, exercise can in fact slow down the aging process affected by dysfunctional mitochondria. In addition, other scientific studies show that regular physical activity has an anti-aging effect at the cellular level in other ways. Next, I would like to talk to our listeners about telomeres. Doctor, if it's okay with you, can I share what I've learned about that subject? Sure, let's talk about what we've learned. Thank you. Telomeres are the DNA that bookends chromosomes and protects the ends from damage, much like the cap on the end of the shoelace. 
They are believed to protect the DNA from damage during cell division and replication. As a cell ages, its telomeres naturally shorten and fray. The shortening of telomeres limits cells to a fixed number of divisions and can be regarded as a biological clock. Gradual shortening of telomeres to cell divisions leads to aging on the cellular level and may limit lifetimes. When the telomeres become critically short, the cell dies. The process can be accelerated by obesity, smoking, insomnia, diabetes, and other aspects of health and lifestyle. In those cases, the affected cells age prematurely. You've taught me, doctor, that, the mo that almost any amount and type of physical activity may slow aging deep within ourselves, and middle age may be a critical time to get the process rolling. That's right. In recent science confirms that exercise can slow the fraying of the telomeres. Studies have shown, for instance, that master athletes typically have longer telomeres than sedentary people of the same age, as do older women who frequently walk or engage in other fairly moderate exercise. In another study, researchers gathered data for about 6,500 of the participants ranging in age from 20 to 84, and then categorized them in groups based on how they exercised. They looked at weight training, moderate exercise like walking, more vigorous exercise like running, and regular walking or riding a bike to work or school. Participants received a point for each activity and the results were tallied. Telomere length was then measured for each participant. For every point someone gained from any type of exercise, his or her risk of having unusually shortened telomeres decline significantly. In fact, those who participated in all four groups of activities experienced a 59% lower likelihood of having critically short telomeres. Interestingly, the benefits were strongest among people between the ages of 40 and 65. This suggests that middle age may be the key time to begin or maintain an exercise program if you want to keep your telomeres from shrinking. Another study found that participants who rode stationary bicycles for just 45 minutes had an increase in a compound called Nrf1. This is a protective molecule for telomeres. And in another study, it was found that chronic stress is related to short telomere length. However, for those who exercise, stress would not have measurable effects on telomere shortening. The researchers found 
that vigorous exercise appears to protect those experiencing high stress by buffering its relationship with telomere length. In summary, telomeres are predictive of mortality and exercise is good for your cells. And research has demonstrated that more exercise in greater variety is likely to be better. I think it is fascinating how the benefits of exercise are found all the way down to my cellular level. That's right. But what about antioxidants, uh, such as resveratrol? I've heard that resveratrol in a high-dose supplement form can give me many of the same benefits as exercising. What is resveratrol, and are these claims true? Resveratrol is a natural antioxidant found in red grapes and nuts. It has been hailed as a miracle antidote to aging by some. In fact, it might be just the exact opposite. According to recent medical research, researchers placed 27 healthy but physically inactive men, all 65 and older, on an intense eight-week regimen of CrossFit and circuit training. Some took 250 milligrams of resveratrol as well, and some took a placebo. The researchers monitored multiple metrics of cardiovascular fitness throughout the course of the exercise program. By the end of the exercise program, the placebo had a 45% greater increase in maximum oxygen uptake than the resveratrol group. The placebo group also saw a decrease in blood pressure but the resveratrol group did not. Levels of a vasodilator called prostacycline, which is a good thing, were also lower in the resveratrol group. And the resveratrol group did not experience the positive effects of cholesterol and triglycerides that the placebo group did. So I know this is a small study, but what it indicates is that resveratrol has, so it has a positive effect on metabolism, very similar to exercising and restricting calories. But we also have evidence that resveratrol in a supplement diminishes the positive effects of exercise in humans. So this compound, you can see, is still in controversy. When you exercise, it's that oxidative stress at the time that actually creates some beneficial effects. So blocking that effect by resveratrol may be detrimental at the time. Resveratrol is found naturally in red grapes, blueberries, pistachios, So I recommend for my patients to get it in the natural form, not to take the supplement pills. It's worth keeping an eye on the resveratrol research. 
It's far too soon to be promoting it as a fountain of youth or a wonder drug. Okay, doctor. I agree that the best medicine is to continue an appropriate exercise exercise plan for me. Can I tell your listeners the types of exercise that you have recommended incorporating into a maximized anti-aging plan? Absolutely. I understand that the Dallas investigators prescribed walking, jogging, and biking for endurance training. That could have achieved the same, they could have achieved the same benefits with swimming, racket sports, rowing, cross-country skiing, aerobic dance, and even golf, as long as players walk the course. Let me tell you about some of the types of exercise that we have incorporated into our lives. The first would be endurance and cardio training. This is the act of exercising to increase endurance. The term endurance training generally refers to training the aerobic system, and this includes jogging, running, cycling, and swimming. Resistance exercise is using light weights or exercise machines that will enhance muscle mass and strength and preserve bone calcium. You'll need to learn uh, what to do, and instructors can help. A variety of exercise machines can also do the job, but only if you use them properly. But with simple directions and precautions, most patients can develop a safe and effective home program for themselves. Flexibility training will help keep you supple as you age. Stretching exercises are an ideal way to warm up before and then cool down after endurance exercise. Like strength training, 20 minutes of dedicated time two or three times a week is ideal. Yoga classes are very helpful, but if not available where you live, you can easily try to learn to stretch for health on your own. Exercise for balance will help retard some common effects of aging. With age, people are at a greater risk of injury due to falling. Tai Chi is a good program that promotes balance and works wonders in terms of preventing falls among healthy agers. Both Tai Chi and yoga will help you move gracefully, avoid injuries, and prevent the falls that cripple so many older Americans. These are the major types, but all exercise, even if only low to moderate intensity, produces beneficial effects. And as I can attest, it is never too late to get started. The key is regular activity. Start slowly if you are out of shape, like I did. Then build up gradually to three to four hours a week. A program as simple as 30 minutes of brisk walking nearly every day will produce major benefits. My goal is to get a minimum of 150 minutes of physical activity per week. While that might sound overwhelming, it's doable for you too. For instance, meet these guidelines each week 
by breaking it into 20 to 30 minute sessions each day. Activities that count include running, walking, cycling, and even gardening or housework. And be sure to build up gradually. As you strengthen your body, what felt difficult last month will suddenly be a walk or even a run in the park. Finally, as you get started, avoid extreme exercise. Do not exceed approximately 70% of your maximum effort for more than 30 minutes. This level of intensity can actually increase inflammation in the body. Isn't that right? That's absolutely right, Paul. So to build on what we have learned, everyone, no matter their age, and even people who are coping with a chronic condition can benefit from a simple exercise program. Try climbing stairs instead of taking an elevator when possible. Plan regular walks, either alone or in a group at your local park or shopping mall. If you are unable to stand for long periods of time, I suggest swinging your legs back and forth while sitting. This simple exercise will improve blood flow and prevent muscles or limbs from getting rigid. To improve balance and reduce the risks of fall, Paul and I go to yoga classes. If you can't attend a yoga class, even simple exercises like standing on one foot or walking heel to toe can, have, can provide benefits. You don't need to be a triathlete to get anti-aging benefits. Any type of movement helps because the more you sit locked into any position, the more your muscles joints and tissues are going to decline in vigor. The key lies in your fascia, a web of tissue that holds everything together, the muscles, the blood vessels, and the nerves. Exercise replenishes the fascia and is the catalyst to increasing the speed of fascia turnover. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more on the benefits of exercise and aging. Thank you. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. 
Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Healthy Aging with Dr. Denise Bogard. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to bogardhealth at gmail.com. And now, back to Healthy Aging. Good morning. In this last segment, we're going to finish up and summarize on aging and exercise. I was talking about the fascia and how the fascia is a web of tissue that holds everything together, the muscles, the blood vessels, the nerves, and exercise replenishes the fascia and is a catalyst to increase the speed of fascial turnover. Multidimensional moves like a squat with an overhead press help your body obtain strong anti-aging benefits. Two or three part exercises recruit helper muscles and help you moving in different ways. The more complicated and more complex the exercise, the better. In addition addition to weightlifting, running, jumping, bouncing, all of these will help keep your fascia bouncy and elastic. Weight-bearing exercises will help build your bone mass and your muscle mass. Weights are good. Kettleballs are also good. Remember, don't overdo it. We know that chronic aerobic causes accumulated oxidative stress in the mitochondria with increased risk of oxidative damage. When chronic aerobic overtraining is combined with inadequate nutrition, such as dieting to burn excess calories, the results are worse, not better. The idea is not to shun aerobic exercise, but to do it wisely. Doctor, a type of exercise that's been shown to give great results is high-intensity interval training. I'd like to share a little bit about that. Because these exercises are somewhat intense, you need to do them only three times a week, and the entire workout takes just 20 minutes. The workout would look something like this. Warm up for three minutes. Exercise as hard and fast as you can, not someone else, as you can for your body and your condition for the next 30 seconds. 
Then recover for 90 seconds. And finally, repeat the exercise and recovery for seven more times. As you can see, the entire workout is only 20 minutes. Certainly doable, right? Finally, I'd like to share a little bit before the doc doctor wraps up on my experience with fitness and my weight loss experience. By the time I turned 40, I was 30 pounds overweight and had the other middle-aged health concerns that I described at the beginning of this talk. So I decided to get serious. I took up jogging and found that it was very enjoyable. So I decided to set a goal of running a marathon within a year. I exercised and ran for over a year and was able to finish a marathon at age 42. But I only lost 15 pounds in that time and still was able to run the marathon. What we now know from very recent research is that weight and fitness are related but not determinative. So I encourage our listeners to not place too much emphasis on drastic weight loss in the first several years of implementing an exercise program in your anti-aging plan. Let me, let me briefly explain. A body that exercises regularly is generally a healthy body, whether that body is fat, or thin. If you are exercising regularly, you shouldn't necessarily be looking at the scale to determine how healthy or fit you are. Study after study has shown that overweight and obese people who work out can reap the same benefits and improve their metabolic health even if they don't shed a pound. Recent research suggests that being overweight may not, in and of itself, be the health threat that we think it is. Making long-term weight loss even more elusive is the fact that we each may have our own personal set point, a range of about 10 to 20 pounds in which the body biologically tries to stay despite all our efforts. This means that weight loss is biologically resisted in some people. Also, our appetite makes it too easy to override the upper threshold of our set point range, so we gain weight again. But an obese athlete's body can actually become stronger from carrying its own weight. In essence, the extra pounds provide built-in resistance training, especially for the lungs, which can have trouble inflating fully when there is a lot of fat in the chest cavity. They have developed an ability to generate higher airflow and, and deliver ample oxygen to their blood and muscles. For, typically, for typical obese people who want to become active, this may mean that they are not going to have the limitations we previously assumed they would. So, despite the extra calories we burn, many of us fail to lose weight and may even gain some after embarking on an exercise program. Don't be discouraged. Even if pounds don't disappear, a big fat change is probably taking, play, uh, taking shape inside of you. Adding regular physical activity can reduce the proportion of fat to muscle and affect where fat is distributed. In particular, as little as a 20-minute daily walk can reduce the amount 
a visceral fat that reaches deep into the abdomen. That's the fat that health experts worry about because it's linked to heart disease, diabetes, and a higher mortality rate. There's even evidence suggesting that exercise stimulates the production of a substance called irisin in muscle tissue. This hormone appears to transform white fat cells, like those in belly fat, into brown fat cells, which are metabolically active and actually burn calories. And the scale doesn't necessarily reflect all of this. So stop using the word normal when you talk about weight and start focusing on realistic goals and expectations, including exercising regularly and being more active every day. The net results of, the, of these many hurdles, even if you don't lose some, rate, some weight from exercise and you don't lose as much as you expect to, expect to, that's not reason enough to abandon your exercise plan and head back to the couch. Keep moving regardless of weight loss. <clears throat> I will also show, share some of my own personal experience. Um, I didn't have any trouble growing up with weight um, and um, was always pretty active. I grew up on a farm in Nebraska and stayed somewhat active. And uh, when I went both through college and um, nurse anesthesia and medical school, I continued to stay active. However, with... um, my second and third pregnancy, I did accumulate about an additional 15 pounds. As I wasn't quite as active, I wasn't able to work out as frequently as I had been used to in the past. And I had three young children. So I did, uh, this was in my mid-30s, did go through a a diet plan with Weight Watchers and was able to lose about 10 pounds. However, when I got out of my residency and started a healthy, regular exercise program, the weight continued to go down and I lost an additional 10 pounds. That I was able to maintain that until... when I went into menopause and when I went into menopause what I noticed was suddenly I gained 20 pounds through that um, was what actually got me interested in healthy aging and I was able to work with a physician in San Francisco Dr. Harvey Bartnoff who helped me through about a period of about two years, restore my thyroid health, my adrenal health, my gastrointestinal health, get my blood sugar down, balance my sex hormones, and keep my inflammation down. And from that, I was able to then lose that 20 pounds. However, as you experience with yourself it's an ongoing continuous process and any type of life stressors tends to interfere with that we lost 
my dear son, Jerry, in March of this year. He was 26 years old. And I will talk in a later session about how I've been getting through the grief. Because working through grief, especially losing a child, is one of the most difficult things I think a parent could ever go through. I had lost a spouse about 21 years ago, and uh, certainly that was a huge big loss to me, but this loss was, I, I can't even put in words the, the, the pain and the stress that you walk through. I was, my hormones were balanced, um, my thyroid was balanced, my adrenals were balanced, my gastrointestinal tract was in good shape, and suddenly everything started to go awry again. And what happened was I didn't have enough energy to even make it through the day. I was able to continue to go through, go to work, but at the end of the day, I was so exhausted. Um, <clears throat> I was able, after a few months, to slowly balance, rebalance my thyroid and my sex hormones and my adrenals and my gastrointestinal tract with some additional measures, which all I've discussed in previous episodes, and slowly was able to <clears throat> get back on an exercise program. As I've increased my exercise program, what I see is that my level of energy is so much better, and <clears throat> I'm able to, my resilience to the stress is so much better. I've also worked with a nutritionist to decrease my carbohydrate intake and uh, really track and watch what I eat. So again, it's a balance of, uh, of getting everything in line and that's really what I incorporate in my practice. <clears throat> For my men, I optimize their testosterone Optimizing their testosterone gives them the best ability to work out and optimize their workout. For women, I optimize your estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, as well as, I should say, the DHEA for both men and women, and pregnenolone, and cortisol, and thyroid. And what that does is each one of your hormones are balanced, then you, again, will feel better. You'll have enough energy to be able to work out, and everything will fall together. That's what's so much fun about this practice. Thank you, Paul. And I wish to thank my listeners for joining today. I'd like to conclude by reminding you that although exercise can do much, to remove the rust of aging, it can't do it all. Again, that's why we combine all of our anti-aging medical techniques together. So I encourage you to browse through my other lectures that you'll find here on Voice America. And remember to keep your body as young as possible for as long as possible. Keep it moving. As usual, Hippocrates got it right 2,400 years ago explaining that which is used develops that which is not wastes away.
Thank you, doctor. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week for Healthy Aging. Be sure to join your host, Dr. Denise Bogard, again next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again soon. 